for this morning, I'd like to introduce uh, our guest speaker this morning is um, the Executive Minister of Converge Northeast. Um, we have Tim with us today. So Tim, come on up and yeah, let's give him a hand. <laughs> probably wondering what is Converge Northeast? What is a Converge? Um, Converge is a network of churches, uh, not only in the Northeast, but across the nation. And basically the idea is we want to be a network of churches. We want to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus Christ. And our mission as a group of churches is really, if you think about it, spiritual health and vitality. Part of our movement historically first starts with the, the, the person, is who we are in Jesus Christ. Uh, do we have a vibrant faith? Are we connected with God in such a way that we are being transformed by his word and being transformed so that we can help people know who Jesus Christ is? And then as a collective of churches, we just want to see more healthy churches, more healthy congregations. And, and one of my responsibilities in the, in the Northeast is actually looking in areas of the Northeast where we just don't have a gospel presence. That's amazing, isn't it? If you think about it, here in the Northeast, particularly in our New England history, where as folks came to this country, started churches, think of the Puritan movement, yet today in the postmodern culture, we're seeing churches that are, are not vibrant. We're seeing churches that are frankly, I don't call them churches anymore. Um, they're meeting places. And so uh, interesting statistic in the state of New Hampshire, there are 65 towns, 65 towns, that don't have a gospel presence. So if you think about that and apply that all across the Northeast, we just need more healthy, vibrant churches to reach people who don't know Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to be a part of, and that's why I moved out of local pastoral ministry about three years ago and moved into this role to really work towards seeing more churches planted, more local congregations strengthened, and then people raised up to be sent out to work in God's harvest. So that's why I'm here today, is to be with you, to be present. One of the things I really want to commend you on, and my wife Sharon is with me today, this is one of the most welcoming congregations I've ever encountered. Uh, it, we, we, since we arrived in the parking lot, you have done an awesome job of welcoming us into your congregation. And unfortunately, that's not always the case. I won't go there, though, but... Awesome job, right? Awesome job. And so thank you for welcoming us. Uh, as I said, my wife Sharon is here. We've been married almost 33 years. And believe it or not, we met on a blind date. <laughs> it does work. Um, my first, only, and last blind date. Uh, we have two adult children. Uh, they both live in the Boston area. Our son, Colin, is 27 and married. Our daughter, Caitlin, 24, uh, is single. Uh, they're both gainfully employed and off the family payroll. Uh, so uh, I, we love our family, and uh, in fact, Sharon's mom and dad are going to be moving down closer to live with, uh, live closer to us. They live up in the Boston area as well. But really what I want to do today is, is talk about this. I love your model. And as I look at that, it's, uh, and I'm going to do that, do, let's play a little game here, right? So I'm going to say the first word of the phrases, and you say the second word. So, for example, I'm going to say look, and you say? 
lean, reach, okay. So if you think about this, my sermon today, there are three words. And if you don't listen to anything else, listen to the three words. First, up, in, out. Up, in, out. Up, in, out, right? So we want to talk about the church and a healthy church. And a healthy church is one that exhibits all of those things in your model. Uh, some churches are better than others at, well, we're really good at world outreach, world missions. We lo- support a lot of missionaries, but maybe, maybe not so good at local evangelism. So we want to talk about that. In order to do so, um, I want to look at this passage that we're, I'm going to read in a moment from the book of Acts. But I want to state this one thing, bec- particularly because what we've been through in the last season of life, wow, and we're still kind of figuring out what does normalcy look like? Well, I will say this. I don't think normalcy is what was. And I think going forward, this is where God is, wants to work through his people and through the church to reach people for the sake of the gospel. And I will say it this way. The church, a healthy church that models Jesus Christ and models the gospel is the only answer for what problems exist in the world today. It's not the government. It's not things out there. It's not wealth. You know this, not wealth. But it's, it's Jesus Christ. And, and that's the answer. So what I want to do is, is turn to the book of Acts. Because I believe this passage that we're going to share today uh, gives us a model, gives us an example of what a healthy, vibrant, reaching church looks like. And I'm going to grab my Bible here in a moment. And we're going to read this. I think the passage will be on the screen. And uh, let me just read this for you. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. And as I said, just keep remembering the up and out. And and this passage takes place, just to set the context, it takes place after Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. And then also after the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in, in the Apostle Peter's great sermon. And we see this picture of what the early believers were doing as they gathered in the temple courts. Now, this is an interesting visual model, if you think about it. Because oftentimes, when we meet as a congregation, we don't have folks, like, looking in the windows here and watching what we're doing. But that's what was happening in the early church. When the early church gathered, they met in the temple courts. So what they were doing how they were worshiping, how they were praying, how they were hearing from God's word as the apostles taught them was being seen by all the passers-by who were going through and about the temple courts. 
And so we're going to talk about that. And what does that mean? What are the implications for us today? But again, remember, up, in, out. So first, a healthy church is upward focused. And there are two aspects of that that are called out in this passage. In verse 42, it says, they were devoted to the breaking of, the, of bread and the prayers. Of course, this morning, we celebrated the Lord's Supper. Um, that that an, uh, is an aspect of worship in the daily life of the church. And then there's corporate prayer. And so then healthy worship. So the fact that the early believers met in the temple courts indicates that they were participating in the daily worship activities of the temple. Because at that point, they still saw themselves as, as part of the Jewish faith and culture. So they participated in daily worship life. But one thing I don't want to miss here is this aspect of they were meeting not only publicly in the temple courts, but they also met in homes. There was this idea of house churches going on. So we're seeing this today, where more and more house churches are springing up in our culture. But verse 43 says this, and I love this. It says, and awe came upon every soul. And I want to say this, sometimes in our church today, we get caught up in our consumeristic attitude about worship. Well, I like this song, but not that song. I like this style, but not that style. You know, I don't like the whatever aspect that's, that's happening in worship today. It's called the worship wars. In other ways, we come and we come into worship with just the, the press of life, right? Um, had a bad week at work. Um, maybe lost my job. Or, or there's a family circumstance that you're walking through that, that impinges upon your ability to worship God. And that's, that's legitimate. That can happen. But one of the things I want you to think about is, is how do we, in a way, when we walk into this place, we begin to put those cares away, we put those pressures away, we put those thoughts, those attitudes, and we... we Pay attention to our posture. And I'll use an older word, our comportment. I want to read this passage from Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's pretty convicting. Because when we come into this place, we are encountering the same God of the universe that the prophet Isaiah encountered. And our attitude, our posture, our comportment should be one of awe. We are encountering the one who is holy and we are not. We are encountering the one who is righteous, and we are not. And I can fill in the blank with a lot more adjectives like that. And so what is our attitude as we walk in? Are we prepared to encounter the God of the universe? 
We must have a sense of the greatness and the majesty of Almighty God before whom we should all bow down and worship. The right posture, if not physically but attitudinally, should be that we're lying flat on our faces before God. So we need to think about that. The second aspect is healthy prayer. In this passage, there's the use of the definite article in front of the word prayers. It says, and the prayers. This indicates that prayers were a formal part of their worship life together. And later in Acts 4, we see the believers praying together for boldness. I won't necessarily go into that passage right now. Now, interestingly enough, in in our modern forms of worship, prayers, particularly in the public setting, can become formalized. My my father-in-law is an Anglican priest, and so he is it's one of the evangelical offshoots, the Anglican Church in North America. And their prayers are are pretty, you just it's from the Anglican prayer book. Now, they're beautiful, they're wonderful. But the danger of that is over if you read them over and over, they can become rote in a form of worship without life. And so the aspect of when we come to prayer is we want to be about living, vibrant prayers that connect with God. So what does your personal and your corporate prayer life look like? When when we come together as a body on Sunday corporately, and now we know this can be in person or virtual, we should come to view this time as a culmination of that which we have already done. So if you haven't spent the week in some way, shape, or form in, in worship privately, in prayer privately, I would contend that you're not really ready to worship on a Sunday morning. At least not fully ready. That's where God in his grace and mercy, even if we're not ready, we can still encounter him. That's the beautiful thing. By the way, I could preach on one of these points on, on all morning, right? So I need to move on. So the second aspect is up, right? A healthy church, or excuse me, inward focused. Uh, is it, we, That was up. This is in. So the second point is inward focused. And there are two aspects here. And the first is healthy discipleship. And in this passage, it states that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The early believers acknowledged that Jesus had appointed the apostles as teachers, and they submitted to their authority. And the image we have here is that the people are sitting at the feet of the apostles. Now, devotion connotes something much more. Uh, Other words that are similar to devotion are allegiance, fealty, fidelity. And so the question for us today is, what does a devoted, learning church look like? A healthy, devoted church is one that takes seriously the authority of Scripture, and where each of us submit ourselves, men and women, children, youth, we're submitting ourselves to God's Word. Pastor and teacher will preach and teach God's Word. Parents will teach Scripture to their children. When we learn, we take action. We change, we transform. It's interesting because I'm really good at filling my head with empty knowledge. I'm reading a book right now on, on some military history. I love it. I, it's, it's a favorite uh, pastime, but it's like, why? 
some of you like like Sharon particularly you know, why well I'm interested and I could have some noble thought well I'm interested in leadership principles of this it's like not well no <laughs> so so knowledge is one thing learning is when you take the knowledge and you apply it for the sake of transformation and that's what God's word does is that we can we can read it and we can learn all the facts and figures and stories and all of that but unless we are taking God's word and by the power of his spirit allowing it to not we can't do it but allowing the word by his spirit to transform us and then as we encounter others in our lives whether it's fellow Christians as we're, we're walking with or others that need to know Christ that's where the word begins to flow through us in how we live how we act how we treat other people the big idea is are we truly imitating Jesus Christ and in this aspect of discipleship there is intentional life-giving discipleship occurring so that people who follow Jesus are spurring one another on you know, that's not necessarily gentle, right? Spurring one another on. In fact, in, if you look at that passage where, you know, spur one another on, it's kind of like this idea of I'm, I'm being prodded. And that's not necessarily a gentle thing. But as Christians, we need to be able to do that with one another, to lovingly uh, prod one another on in growth as followers of Jesus Christ. And I'll say, the final th thing I'll say about this aspect is the church is being led by the Spirit of God to submit to the Word of God. The second aspect of an inward-looking church is healthy care. Uh, there's lo caring, loving, and support, uh, supportive care happening in the church. All are cared for and loved. And we find this also in Acts chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. The word here is often koinonia. Now, it's interesting because we take that word koinonia today, and we kind of say, well, that's like fellowship. You know, we're just, you know, community time together. Now, scripturally, there's way more than just being together. It's being interested in the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual well-being of everyone in the body. And sometimes those aspects can be different, right? That, that I have an emotional need. Well, that's where the body of Christ can come around me. I have, uh, someone else has a physical need. That's where the body of Christ can come around. That's when all of those things, you're, you're, you're basically living life together, but you're paying attention to those needs. Right? So, koinonia. The way John Stott, I lo love John Stott. He's a teacher, theologian. He says this, Our God is a generous God. Grace is another word for generosity. And if our God is a generous God, we must be generous too. I would like to see more generosity, more simplicity, more contentment in the Christian community. It would be a great witness to the rest of the world. So not only is a healthy church upward-focused in worship and prayer, a healthy church is inward-focused 
in discipleship and care. It's the last piece. A healthy church is outward focused. And we see this in the latter part of this passage. It's when we get to verse 47, we see the church's mission to the world, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, you're saying, well, Tim, that, that doesn't indicate anything about our action. Actually, I, I think it does. Because, yes, the Lord is adding to the number, but how did that happen? And so we're going to look at that in a minute. So worship, prayer, learning, and care can all occur in the cocoon of a local congregation. And if this is all that's done, we're then too introspective, we're too self-centered, we're too self-serving. If all that we're doing is, is, is inward-focused, right, and not looking outward. And there are a lot of churches today that just simply focus on themselves. That's why they're not growing. That's why there's no gospel vibrancy within the local body. And so, again, we look at that verse in 47. Yes, the Lord added to their number, but it, oftentimes you can look at that, well, we don't have any responsibility. Well, I, I differ with you. And that's where we need to look at other aspects of Scripture. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then Acts 1.8. I love this passage. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, why do you think I overemphasize the word and? Say it louder. <laughs> it's not or. And sometimes we get caught on, well, we have a heart for world missions. And I'm not picking, I love world missions. I've been on many mission trips. Or we have a heart for regional ministry. This, this um, passage is written such a way that it's all of the above. It's not optional. God's mission, the worldwide evangelism, is near and far in the whole spectrum. And so when a church is not exhibiting those characteristics in some way, shape, or form, and again, yes, I get their resources. Sometimes you have to look at resources and what you have available. But be praying for God. How can we be involved in your work near and far. All aspects of evangelism. So what does this look like today? And that's where it can be difficult. Remember I said we'd unpack this a little bit. In the early church, folks were walking by and they could see how Christians were treating one another. They could see lives being transformed. They could see this fill in the blank again. And the hard part about the church today is getting people to come, right? It's, I'm sure you've, you've invited folks, and it, it can be hard because they, I don't, I don't know what you guys do. When I started in ministry a few years ago, <laughs> the attractional nature of church was much stronger. It was more culturally acceptable 
that, that you could invite people to church, particularly for big events, things like that, and, and folks would come. I was part of a church where we did a Christmas outreach, and we had 15,000 people come uh, over two weekends. Over time, in the beginning, we saw a lot of people coming to Christ, people that didn't know Jesus. But over time, what it became was, I'll say it crassly, cheap entertainment for Christians. And we had a busload of church people coming to see the event, and we realized, wait a minute, we, we've lost our focus on what we're doing this for. And so again, harder and harder. When I started at Valley Community uh, Baptist up in Avon, I served there for 14 years on their staff. People would bring their kids to the youth ministry programs and the children's ministry programs. They were not part of the church, but because of the excellence of the ministry, it was very winsome and attractive in the community. Fast forward somewhere around 2014, 2015, that was less so. Because we could, we could hear the attitudes as we talked to people. It was about, well, we're not quite sure what you guys do. You know, so there was a, either, you know, ambivalence about what, what they thought we did or downright antagonism. So, again, the question is, how do we bring the church, and that's us, by the way, to the people? Tim Keller, in his book, Center Church, talks about it this way. How do you bring the gospel to bear on the hearts of the people around you? And think about the town that you live in, whether it's here in Stratford or Trumbull or other communities. What is your town culture? Do you actually know? Have you taken the time to, to, to kind of look into what is it, what does your community look like? What are the interests? What are the hot topics in the town? But then, then go on to say, now how might we or how might I get involved in the civic life of my town? I realized this in about mm, 2014-ish. I had no relationships outside of my local church. And I'm supposed to be, you know, teaching on this, right? It's like, it's, hey, you need to be an evangelist. You need to get out there and share Christ with people. And I realized I wasn't doing it myself. And so I started coaching track at the high school, Avon High School. Um, I have a background in track and field and love it, love running. And so I just started hanging out with the track team and the coaches and there's not a lot you, know, you have to be careful in public school settings but I could connect with parents and and the other coaches and so that allowed me to begin to have spiritual conversations with uh, in an appropriate way in that setting and that really helped sharpen me and of course fast forward today because I think, think of the urgency I, I said this to Sharon the other day I've had more spiritual conversations on airplanes in the last several months than I've ever had in my life. And I'm not one who's like, hey, what do you think? So I just start, you know, I just start engaging in conversation. And I think there's a spiritual hunger that when you begin to share. A couple weeks ago, I was flying back from Orlando. I spent about a week, a month there at our national office. And I was sitting next to a woman from Middletown. And we just began to have a conversation. And she began to share with me just her heartache about her kids, her adult kids, and, and I said, you know, can I, can I pray for you? And so again, just reaching out and having those spiritual conversations. And so if anything, I want you to begin to think about how do you as an individual 
begin to speak into the civic life of your town or as a church begin to think about how do we become winsome in our community because that's what the early church did as the folks were walking by and they could see there was a winsomeness about which they went about ministry so what does that look like for you and the question is whether in Stratford and Trumbull or Trumbull would those towns miss you if you didn't exist now that can be a pretty convicting question would those towns miss you if your congregation didn't exist. Ponder that as you think about these questions. We must demonstrate the gospel in word and deed in our communities. So I, as I said in the beginning, I have the privilege of serving our movement of churches in the Northeast. We have about 110 congregations that I have the privilege of working with. And my vision is I want to see every man, every woman, every child, every city, every town, every rural area impacted by the love of Jesus Christ. Now, I can't do that alone. And that's why I want to engage with local congregations, whether formally or informally, that, that we're all committed to the forward movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if we don't allow God to work through us, there are people that, frankly, they won't hear the message of the gospel unless we stand up and take action and we need more spiritually healthy people and churches to do it and we need more healthy balanced churches not perfect there is no perfect church because there are no perfect people but we need healthy balanced church a healthy church is one that is upward in worship, worship and prayer. A healthy church is inward as they are devoted to teaching and exhibit loving care and support. And finally, a healthy church is one that is outward looking where we see the Lord at work in people's hearts to draw them to salvation. And we have the opportunity to participate in his work, sharing the good news of the gospel. And we rejoice and we give him praise when we see him transforming people for the sake of the kingdom. And I'd love for this church to be part of that vision with me. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the impact that it has. God, thank you for the privilege of being with new friends here in Stratford. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the vibrancy that we can just see this morning of how you are working in and through each person in this congregation. Father, I pray that you would continue to bring your favor upon this congregation, that you would allow them to see increase, uh, not for the in the world sense, but God, increase in the sense of their spiritual health and vitality, that there is an increase in spiritual growth and transformation so that people in this town and the surrounding towns would stand up and take notice at, at how the gospel is emanating from this place. So I pr pray a blessing on them, each household that's represented here. And I thank you for Pastor Tom and his leadership here and their leadership team. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.